and so to really hammer it home for people. If you're a resident and you're just finishing residency, starting practice, you can go on the site and find local opportunities, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if you're a practicing physician and you want to go on a vacation, you can post an opportunity for people to locum for you, right? Yep. And so yeah. it's set up to be really, really easy and user-friendly, making it really easy for them to capture the right information and then making all of that information searchable and indexable for the people trying to find it. And then a big part of why our system's working is because we came up with the revenue model around it, which is free. Are you a physician that's new to practice or looking for different places to work before you settle down into one spot? Or are you an established physician who's looking for locum opportunities or someone to cover your practice so you can go on a well-deserved vacation? Well, you're going to want to listen to this episode. That was the voice of Dr. Jordan Volrath, who's a family physician, entrepreneur, chief medical officer, and co-founder of Cherry Health, Canada's medical network for physicians and healthcare providers. He's going to walk us through how Cherry Health is going to help you find your next job opportunity and how he's making it easy for doctors to connect to those. So let's listen in. So welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Pleased to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very interested to dive into what Cherry Health is and how it's helping physicians. Before we dive straight into that, is there anything else you'd like people to know about you, what you're up to? Yeah. Anything else about you that people should know? Yeah. So I still have a practice. I get about nine hours a week. I can pretend to be a doctor, but most <laughs> of my day is spent running a tech company. Like that's been so an unintentional pivot. I never really went into medicine planning to exit medicine at such an early age, but we had this window of opportunity arise and just kept chasing it and it kept getting bigger and bigger. And so here we are. Very cool. I wasn't sure if you did practice or not. So it's a good thing to bring up to let people know that you've still got that going for you. Why don't we get right to Cherry Health? So I first heard about Cherry Health. You're in my Facebook group for physicians and you posted about it. And I looked at it and I'm like, this seems really unique. This seems really interesting. And I messaged you about it because I was like, am I understanding right what this all is about? So why don't you walk people through what is Cherry Health and who is it for and how does it work? So Cherry Health is a medical professional network. Now, what is that? That's a very foreign concept around here. So Canada is actually way behind the times in that we don't have a medical network for our healthcare practitioners. Uh, our neighbors to the state, to the south, the United States, they've got doximity. They've got mm. all their doctors, all their nurse practitioners on there, market penetration of like 80, 90%. So everyone's using it. Like this isn't like mm. some far-fetched idea of having a social network for healthcare providers. Yeah, Asia's got M3. The UK has got doctors.net. Like in India, they've got daily rounds. So we're well behind the times in the fact that we conduct our business on Facebook and did WhatsApp <laughs> groups. And that's just how healthcare in Canada operates. That's the infrastructure and the backbone fueling a lot of our clinical logistics. And so Cherry Health is the antidote to that. So we are building an actual network, a digital home for healthcare providers. And right now it's just for physicians only, medical clinics, office administrators, hospitals, recruiters, virtual care platforms. But Coming up very soon in the next couple of weeks here, we're actually opening it up and expanding it to be inclusive of all healthcare providers. So nurses, physio, dentists, chiro, pharmacies, pharmacists, pharmacy techs, you name it, we're getting everybody on there. And the core value initially has been jobs and employment, career moves. So what's the value of a, a medical network or any social network for that matter in its early stages? You know, until there's more than you hit that critical mass until there's enough people on there. It's really not particularly useful. And so 
we figured that the job opportunities was the you know first gear towards actually seeding and populating that network. We figured the employers would be kind of the early adopters, good way to get one side of people on there and then start getting the actual medical talent and the physicians and people on there afterwards. So that's how we've actually kicked the whole thing off and got that ball rolling. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely hearing that you saw an opportunity where Canada was not up to speed with some technology or approach that other countries had already had, which is a great way to like, definitely a smart way to shortcut like an opportunity for entrepreneurship. And you mentioned that it's a social platform for medical professionals. Now, what does that look like from a standpoint of, is it all the way from a resident finishing residency, looking for where they're going to end up to the doctor who's looking for someone to locum for them, looking for a locum, like who all is encompassed in like what, who can come to the site and and get something out of it? Yeah, exactly. So that full lifespan, right? And the goal is to continue to add in more features, more widgets, more modules onto that network. It's a similar model to what we've seen these other countries' medical networks do. You know, there's just continually adding more, whatever the challenge or problem of the day is in the healthcare system. You know, once you have that network, that really is a powerful base that you can build upon and actually create more things and solve more challenges. Like the challenge in healthcare is a lot of innovation, a lot of things just never get off the ground. They don't see the light of day because of distribution. So it's very difficult to actually come up with an idea, bring it to real life, and then get it out to the market in the medical space. Like advertising is very expensive. Pharmaceutical companies, other gigantic conglomerates take up and buy up all the ad space at conferences and magazines. Doctors are just a very tricky audience to get a hold of in general. They don't congregate very often. They're very scattered. There's not that many of them. But once you have that network, once you have that foundation, that's a really, really potent thing to start building off new resources on top of. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned that currently things are happening on Facebook or WhatsApp. What are some of the things that are currently being done on those other platforms, like in a bit of a potentially disorganized way? that is then being organized through Cherry Health? What would people be able to recognize as, oh, I'm doing it this way now, but I could be doing it a different way? So still kind of philosophical right now because we're still very early stage and haven't addressed all these problems. But if you're wondering who to refer a patient to, if you're looking to collaborate and you've got you know, maybe a complex patient that you're wondering what to do, if you're looking for work or jobs, if you're wanting to just complain about the government and talk about... (laughs) healthcare, the state of the union with other people, you know, all sorts of different functions go on in these little pocketed groups Mm -hmm. on Facebook. And that's part of the problem is it's just so fragmented and scattered. You know, people are using Facebook for their personal life. So it's sort of the path of least resistance, but it's obviously not built to support all these other different things that are critical to that healthcare space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing some sort of like old school forum type you know, not what you're doing, but like I can see like, yeah, once upon a time, maybe it was like forums that people went on to to kind of like talk about stuff. And now it's Facebook groups or, you know, basically, yeah. And and like you said, maybe WhatsApp groups where people are messaging back and forth. So, yeah, I'm hearing that you have a vision or a philosophy to become all encompassing in many ways around education and shared insights into healthcare. And so you said that you started with the job side of things. That's the part that you're developing like to begin with. Is that correct? Yeah, even that's grown quite a bit since we mm-hmm. first started. So it's been about three, three and a half years now that we've been 
up and running. This was a COVID project. We came up with the idea in April, 2020, and mm. then incorporated a company in May, 2020. But so anyways, yeah, we started out just doing locums or basically Latin for temporary doctor or substitute doctor. And that's what I was doing at the time. I was doing all these short notice, short term coverages for other physicians and a lot of younger physicians new to practice, new grads, they'll practice that way. You get a good exposure to all sorts of different practices and workflows and patient demographics and regions in the, the city or the province. And so it was a pain in the butt though. Like it was really a great way to practice and it just didn't make any sense. You know, in the middle of a doctor shortage, why is it so mm. difficult for me to have a new, another job next week and another job the next week? Mm. Right. And this is like a huge blind spot in our healthcare system and just physicians can't take time off. They can't go on vacation. They can't get sick and stay home. Or, you know, if they had to have a surgery, they have to go to work the next day, right? Because that sense of duty and care mm. to their patients prohibits them. And there's just no system in place to arrange those coverages. So that's where we began was doing that locum coverage and actually putting together, we started out with a mobile app, a phone app. We, we now have a web platform you can access from web browsers, but we still do have the mobile app as well. But since then, we expanded it from family doctor locums just in Calgary to all doctors, all specialties, all cities and provinces in the country, and not just locum jobs anymore, but medical careers of all kinds. So full-time, part-time, long-term, short-term contracts, virtual care, you name it, right? That's kind of the idea of just building that platform out and making it applicable to everybody. Mm, very cool. I wasn't sure if we should address the whole doctor shortage side of things, but I mean, certainly if they're, if you're doing something that is, you know, able to address that, that's amazing, obviously. And I know there's a lot of systemic issues involved in that. And I mean, the news seems to come out with a new theory about what's happening <laughs> regularly, but you did mention a couple of real life examples, which I've seen. I've talked to two doctors in the last two weeks who are taking the first vacation they've taken in three years. One of the doctors that's treating me for my eye issue, I know that they were, they had a surgery very recently and I'm sure they're taking care of themselves, but it does feel like they're back to work kind of fast after, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely real life example of a physician looking for someone to cover for them so they can have peace of mind while they take off to go reset or rejuvenate or whatever they need to do. We see it all the time. Yeah. People are showing up to work. They just had a baby and can't take a mat leave or they're canceling their vacations, missing their anniversaries because the system is just such a mess currently. And that's become even more of a problem, right? So when the pandemic happened, that just put even more stress on clinics. The yeah. people were at home and in quarantine, their clinics stopped making as much money. There was less people available to work because they were mandated to stay home for a couple of weeks as soon as you had the sniffles. And so that made it even tougher. And mm. physicians began leaving practice. You know, if they were yeah. 62 and planning to retire at 65, they're just like, oh, you know what? This isn't worth even doing for three more years. So just retire early, taper back their hours, start doing other things or diversifying their time into totally non-medical things or changing up their practice. So it's, those stresses on the system just got to people and that's become even more of a problem in the midst of this physician shortage. There's just even less doctors now. They're getting squeezed out and everyone's burned mm. out. Quick break here. We're going to get back to what Jordan is sharing about how Cherry Health is helping physicians across Canada. So I'm going to ask a question. Is your financial reality adding stress to your life? Do you have unanswered questions around your finances like, 
Am I making the most of my corporation? Am I putting away enough money to retire? When would I be able to keep working only because I really want to, not because I absolutely have to? If you have any of those questions, you might be a good fit for a fee-based plan where you hire someone to make sense of every piece of your financial puzzle and find out if you're on the right track. So if you'd like to have a conversation with me and see if you're a good fit for a fee-based financial plan, click on the link in the description wherever you're listening to this episode for a free no-obligation call where I'll help you figure out if a fee-based plan is right for you. If it isn't, I'll tell you it isn't, and I'll tell you what you should probably be doing instead. And if it is, I'll show you exactly what that looks like. And right now, if you're listening to this episode close to when I've launched it, which is November of 2023... I am doing something called New Year New Plan where I'm looking for the next five physicians to do a fee-based plan to hit the ground running in the new year. So you've got a plan mapping out exactly what you need to do with your finances. So if you want to take advantage of New Year New Plan, have your plan ready for the new year. If that's part of your New Year's resolutions, you can jump on it early. So New Year New Plan, also called Plan More in 24, Plan a Palooza. Uh, go ahead and click on the link wherever you found this, book a free call, and we'll find out if you're a good fit. All right, now back to Jordan and back to the show. I see it enough, even from where I'm sitting, like talking to friends who are leaving the profession or, you know, people who are, who've started the path, like residents who are now like, oh man, should I have done this? Or physicians newly practicing that started during the pandemic or since the pandemic, definitely hurting. So one thing I'd be interested in talking about, spending a little bit of time on is a, a group of people that I feel is near and dear to my heart as residents thinking about, I'm going to finish residency fellowship, you know, go into practice, try to figure out where I'm going to work. You did mention something interesting, which I have heard as a strategy. Certainly one of my clients has shared it with me, this theory of maybe doing locums in different areas, different types of practices to get a feel for different things. Uh, do you see that? I mean, what's your experience with that approach to things? Oh, for sure. I, th I think that's becoming more and more common nowadays. The gig economy is definitely mm. spilling over and that trend towards it into the healthcare space. Like we, we've all grown up, done our training with different preceptors who have practiced in more of that traditional fashion where you, you work at the same clinic, you see the same patients Monday through Friday, do the same crazy hours. And we just see that whole generation of doctors burnt out and unhappy. And so the new meta is changing it up and doing a lot of temp work. It's just more flexible, right? Mm -hmm. It's tough to get into that routine of being pinned down and it's almost like unescapable, right? So you're like, well, I want to take a vacation, but I can't ethically do so. And so a lot of people, the answer for that is to just not sign up to having their own full-time patient panel in the first place. And so that's really causing more downstream problems for a lot of patients in underserved communities. Mm. A lot of people are just without a doctor and more physicians are leaning towards that. That's an interesting look at it of that idea of maybe bouncing around a bit rather than committing to a specific spot for that reason of, oh, if I do pick a specific spot or clinic, I feel like now I can't take time off or now I can't leave. Yeah. So that's a real life consideration. Huh? Yeah. You're almost trapped at that point. There's definitely something to be said for sure. practicing in that locum fashion, even if you are planning to settle down and have your own practice, like mm -hmm. which computer tools do I want to use? Which mm -hmm area of the city do I want to do? Do I want to be in a rural community? Do I want to be in a northern remote community? Do I want to try a different province, right? Like all these different kind of aspects of the job that you don't really know until you actually try it out. So good way to experience lots of different things before you do that decision and settle down. That's where I heard about it was a, a client of mine who became a client while they were a resident and then transitioned into practice and was definitely 
you know, asking me about it. And I was like, I didn't have a lot of experience with it at the time, but saying, yeah, I mean, if, if your colleagues are telling you to try different spots, different clinics before you decide to take over a practice, for example, that was the option that was on the table for this client of mine, go move around a bit. And that's what they ended up doing. And I think it did help them get some insight into different ways of doing things and where they'd be happier and even geographically where they might thrive a bit better. Well, yeah, and people are just less drawn to that type of practice now. Like previously, physician would retire after a few decades and then they'd sell their practice. Like that was like a valuable commodity. You've built mm. up this patient panel. And nowadays people are just trying to get people to take over it for free. They don't mm -hmm. want the, because there's, there's duties and responsibilities in terms of managing patient records and charts and in terms of keeping up the continuous care to patients as opposed to just like closing the doors and saying mm -hmm. goodbye. So now, nowadays, it's not so common to see an actual practice going up for sale. It's it's more of a burden than anything. People are mm -hmm. just trying to have a clean handover for their patients. And it doesn't really matter if there's any kind of actual business value to it anymore. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I've been advisor for 10 years. And certainly since I've started, it hasn't been a thing in the last 10 years for me that anyone was considering on getting any money for their practice. That's definitely a thing of the past because it's not like you know, when I compare it to a dentist, for example, dentists are going to sell their practice someday because they've built up this whole roster, a different situation, obviously. But yeah, no, that's definitely a thing of the past, at least as far as I've seen, for sure. So thinking about residents a bit, hey, that's an opportunity for them to look around, try different places. And that's something they can do through Cherry Health, like see what opportunities are out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really perfect. We get a lot of residents on our platform, you know, they just don't have a network yet, right? You've worked at maybe a half dozen different places throughout your training, doing your community clinics. And so where do you go from there, right? Like none of those might be a viable option for your practice style. And so getting onto the medical network where you can search through all the different jobs. We've got like a million different healthcare specific filters on there. So whatever it is that a physician cares about in terms of that job, the pay style and structure for it, the patient population and demographics, the type of work involved, like, is it got some virtual in it? Are you doing long-term care visits at the same time as part of that patient panel? Do you do house calls? Are you doing rural ER? So all the different actual facets that apply to physicians that you're not going to see on LinkedIn, on Indeed, on Monster, or any of these other websites, because it's just too specific and too niche mm -hmm. for it to make sense to be on there. And that's really where our platform differentiates itself. And same for all the other professions in healthcare. That's what we're modifying it for right now to be applicable to those specific use cases for the dentists and chiros, et cetera. Mm -hmm. oh, very cool. Because yeah, you're definitely listing platforms that people use for job searching, Monster or whatever. And seeing, yeah, that's definitely inadequate for what doctors are looking for. Going to get like a apples to apples comparison because it's so widely varied, right? And obviously being the, the hot commodity in high demand, <laughs> you sort of have your pick of the litter in terms of where do you actually want to go work, spend your time. And so that nuance, those details really mm -hmm. do make or break it between one thing and another. And you're just not going to find it on LinkedIn, how long the patient appointments are, you know, are you working at a clinic that's doing 10 mm -hmm. or 15 or 20 minutes and the different pastry, you're just not going to get that granular detail no. because the people recruiting don't include everything. It's, it's tough to keep track of it when it's not in like a structured format like that. No. So I'm seeing that that's data that definitely people would want to know and wouldn't currently find under the systems that are out there to find it. And I think, I mean, what you mentioned about network, I think is very interesting because certainly I feel like 
my experience has been for physicians that finish up residency, look to go into practice. They do tend, as far as I can see, they do have very small networks in the sense that they've had their head down. They've been working like crazy, not a lot of breathing room. And then all of a sudden trying to make some big decisions about where they're going to live. And while a lot of times there's other big life decisions happening at the same time around settling down, having a family, buying a house, you know, all these different things. And so, yeah, if there's an ability to create a network in a structured way for any physician, but I feel like specifically in that early career stage, I find that people come and ask me questions that I'm not qualified to answer about medical practice, like practice management, for example. I had someone book a call with me a week ago and really what they needed was practice management support. And so I sent them to a few resources I have around that. But I found it interesting of, oh, you really don't feel like you have a group of colleagues that you can take this question to. At least, you know, this person didn't. I'm not saying nobody does, but I've certainly seen it. There's just a huge lack of resources in medicine in general that way, right? For especially community practicing physicians, mm. right? Every single doctor and clinic out there for the most part are an independent small business. There isn't yeah. really like a, a strong thread connecting everything, especially at the local level. And so when it comes to a lot of that collaboration, you're a little bit out on your own. Like you think about just the job situation again in general, right? Like we are completely dependent on this flow of short-term labor and temporary coverage. But if you look at teachers, for example, you know, another spot where this is really common for substitute mm -hmm. teaching, there's a whole central call center in yep. every city, every school district with several admin people staffed managing that. And then in healthcare, we've got, go figure it out. Do it, you do it yourself. You guys are all your own businesses. Yeah. You'll sort things out. And then it's kind of just up to the, the group to slowly make progress in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's a good comparison of teachers versus doctors. Because, I mean, I used to be a teacher, so I've been on those lists. And I would get phone calls and say, hey, this school needs someone today. Uh, and they'd had a cold call list that they'd go down, right? If I couldn't, someone else, they'd ask the next person, the next person, and so on. Yeah, that's very interesting. Certainly, when I do speak to residents, I try to emphasize in case they haven't gotten the message yet that they are going to be considered solo, for the most part, self-employed business owners and are going to have to figure a lot of stuff out and to really start looking for ways to find mentorship or find ways to figure that out rather than just sort of being thrown out in the cold and figuring it out the hardest way possible. It's uh, a big blind everyone... spot in the training, right? Like yeah. we do thousands of hours of clinical practice and training on the medical side of things, and then we'll have three one-hour lectures spread out over the years in terms of actual practice management and how to operate a business, how to submit the billing codes and all these different things, right? So it's, it's like not even close. Yeah. It's funny because years ago I found these PDFs. I don't even remember where I found them, but it was a series of practice management modules for residents. And I downloaded it just because I was so curious. It was very early stages of my career and I felt like I needed to understand the ins and outs of things a little bit better. And I printed them all out. I have in a binder and I haven't been able to find them since. And it's, I'm sure a lot of it's outdated by now, but I interviewed a med school student years ago from, or yeah, one of my early podcasts. And we definitely talked about this, about, you know, where does this type of an education fit into med school? Where does it fit into residency? And it was interesting what she said is like, well, I guess the tough decision would be, what do you replace this with? In the sense of, we're going to spend less time on learning about hearts and replace it with practice management? Are we going to spend less time on XYZ? But yeah, huge blind spot for sure. And I think a lot of people have identified it as a blind spot, but are unsure of what to do about it and how to make a difference. 
Exactly. Right. So I don't know, they're reforming the curriculum right now for the family medicine residency in Canada. It looks like we're going to be going towards a three-year style, similar to how they're doing in the United States. They've been on the three-year residency for quite a while versus we're hmm. two here. So perhaps that would give an opportunity to actually jump in and add some more of that practice management and logistics and business admin in there. Yeah, for sure. And I still feel like there might be an opportunity for people to try locums in different places because it is different in theory and in practice, right? Like there could be all sorts of ideas about, okay, this is what we're going to teach people about how a practice is run. And then boots on the ground is a whole different ballgame of seeing how it actually is run in, in the real world. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, now we see the the full spectrum, right? Some people settling down and taking you know, just a full-time long-term job. We see people setting up like working travel vacations, doing their pit stops across the country in different locations. So it's flexible that way, which is nice. You get to choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. And so to get nitty gritty about the the site, really hammer it home for people. Like if you're a resident and you're just finishing residency, starting practice, you can go on the site and find locum opportunities, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're a practicing physician and you want to go on a vacation, you can post an opportunity for people to locum for you, right? Yep. And so yeah. it's set up to be really, really easy and user-friendly for your average non-recruiter layperson. Because yeah. most of the time in medical clinics, you know, they don't have a full-time professionally trained recruiter. They've got their office manager doing it off the side of her desk, trying to figure it out and navigating all these different like websites and forums and Facebook pages and email chains and WhatsApp yeah. groups and you name it, right? And so making it really easy for them to capture the right information and then making all of that information searchable and indexable for the people trying to find it. So it, right now, our, our recruiting system is very much a pay to play. Like whoever has the biggest budget gets the most ad space or can afford the fanciest mm -hmm. recruiter. And by centralizing it, by getting everyone on the same network, we're really trying to get it more into a meritocracy. You know, the clinics that are the best functioning, have the best teams, have the best reviews, have the most doctors, have the, you name it, right? Trying to make it so that those are exposed and able to be found by the people searching. And then a big part of why our system's working is because we came up with the revenue model around it, which is free. So that seems to be really helpful for a lot of those struggling clinics out there. Like when you look at a lot of these websites and other places you can post jobs, it's just kind of a losing gamble, right? Because mm -hmm. of the physician shortage, you know, people feel like they're lighting their money on fire when they go and post a $300 job ad or if they pay up front for a recruiter, because chances are you're not going to find anybody. There just aren't enough doctors to go around. And so there's been a lot of hesitancy for people actually like shelling out any, any degree of money for the recruiting. So a big part of why I was just coming up with that way to actually create free for all the clinics. So there's no risk there. Yeah, no, that's a very important distinction to make of easy for the office manager to figure it out free. So you're not feeling like you said, like you're burning money. I mean, any amount of money is not fun to burn if you know that it's just not going to work and not, and it's going to be wasted for sure. Yeah, exactly. Know. Exactly. And then at the same time, make it easy to engage with their existing network. So instead mm -hmm. of clinic manager, you know, gets told by the doctor, Hey, I'm going on a last minute trip to Vancouver next week. Can you find somebody? <laughs> and then they're going one at a time through their list of every locum who's ever worked there, waiting 24 hours, getting ghosted, go to the next person. You know, now it's all just automated. You know, everybody who's connected with your clinic page on the network, you post a job and they just get 
push notices on their phone or to their email. So really removing the headache and that time sink factor from that recruiting and staffing for the clinics and for the doctors. Yeah. I feel like whoever's in charge of finding that locum has not found out about Cherry Health. Once they do, I bet they're pretty happy to to not have to do that manual, like one by one, cross your fingers and pray that someone's down for a locum next week. Exactly. No, we get a lot of really positive comments. So it's been optimistic from most people across the board. You still do get a lot of people like, Hey, it's been six months. We haven't found anybody. What's Mm. going on? And then we'll go look at their profile and it's, I see why you haven't. There's some work to be done here. Not as enticing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Certainly seems like you're filling a gap that's super necessary. I mean, my whole thing is that anything that's going to make a doctor's life easier and take more off of their plate, like there's just so much piled on to doctor's plates, you know, better than I do. And anything that can take something off of the plate is something that makes me happy. One thing I'd be curious to talk about is also your own creativity and how you found this outlet through entrepreneurship. And, you know, maybe not every doctor is going to follow a path of, you know, tech company meets medicine, but I do love examples of physicians who have found a way to pursue passion and creativity. Uh, Cause I know that my own dad, I mentioned before we hit record, my dad's a, retired now, but he was a nephrologist uh, for years and in the early days of dialysis. And so he said to me, like in those days, yes, he had a good practice and everything, but he didn't feel like he had a lot of creative outlets in the sense that like, he's not going to be able to get too creative with patient care without running into issues of am I doing the right thing and following the right procedures. So very interested in hearing a bit about your story about what got you into, yeah, like what had you say, hey, this is something I'm going to spend my time figuring out. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, right? We've got algorithms, protocols, and gold standards and deviating a whole lot from that is a little on the risky side. So mm-hmm. hundred percent, you know, going down this route of business and entrepreneurial pathway is a good outlet for that creative side of things. Initially, when I got linked up with my co-founder, Max, he was working at a venture studio. So essentially they would team up with companies and then work on the operations with them. So basically they're like an external consultant who would join forces. And then instead of getting paid, they would receive a chunk of equity of the company was the model for how these businesses operate. Right. So you take a piece of the pie and then everyone's working to grow the pie. And I met him and he was telling me about this and how it worked. It was like, that's cool. Like if anything medical comes along, like, let me know. I'd love to, I don't know, help out or weigh in. And then a couple of days later, he just messaged me and we started chatting and spitballing ideas for what we could do within the healthcare space. And it was like not a super long conversation or time period until we landed on Again, just the staffing and recruiting side of things. Mm. That was the experience or problem I was experiencing. Mm. Yeah. So you were experiencing your own life and then seems like uh, a bit of um, serendipity of crossing paths and being, being open opportunities, obviously, that led you down the specific path of looking at this tech meets medicine convergence. Exactly. And so this was, yeah, back in the pandemic, like had some extra free time. So we just started working on it and it just kind of grew and kept taking off. And then, and we were probably eight months in and we applied for a grant from the Canadian Medical Association and we won one of their top prizes. So a hundred thousand dollars. And then my partner, Max took the plunge, quit his job, and we used that money to pay him. (laughs) And then, yeah, it just started snowballing from there, but we definitely had like a few serendipitous events early on. Very cool. No, it's very interesting. Was it a complete surprise that you ended up going down this path or did you have some element of, okay, like 
there's something I'm looking for, you know, uh, either to complement what you're up to in medicine. Like, was there any hint at that coming down the line? Not really. No, yeah. I mean, I'd never started a business before or <laughs> done anything in that space. Just a computer nerd since a young mm -hmm. age. So this seemed like a good fit for being fairly technically and savvy and inclined. And it, again, it was just this window of opportunity it kept getting bigger and bigger mm -hmm. to enact some serious systems change. So just started going into it. And that was the nice thing about medicine is you can taper your practice, right? You can mm. do things part-time. Most people either have a job or you don't have a job, right? But right, I, you can do 0 0.2, 0 0.4, 0 0.8, right? So tapering your practice down or up depending on what's going on. So that flexibility was really nice. And you put yourself at the top of like the list, right? Of locum uh, opportunities for people. <laughs> that was that was the plan initially. We're like, I'll be the guy. Like everybody signs up on this thing. I'll go do it. And that'll be how it works in the initial phases. <laughs> But then there was dozens, yeah. hundreds of things on there. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. this is clearly not going to work. But that was <laughs> initially, that's what we were thinking. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So what's what's next for Cherry Health? You did talk a bit about the philosophy of where you're headed. You did give us some insight into that. But, you know, now that it seems like you're establishing quite a solid network for jobs, which to me seems like the perfect place to start, obviously, like the thing that people need to kind of get figured out to let, make everything else work. What would you say is like the immediate next step of what people can be kind of keeping an eye out for with Cherry Health? So right now the expansion, so getting into all those other healthcare professions, mm. that's what the team's been working really hard on. So launching in a couple of weeks. And then the next step after that is getting into building the referrals index. So if I'm a family physician somewhere and I've got a niche practice doing migraine Botox injections or lump and bumps, you know, mole removal, you name it, whatever that is, how do you actually advertise yourself as getting patients? So now that'll just be a part of your profile. And then we have to attach a front end search feature to that, similar to how people are actually like interfacing and finding the jobs that are on there. So how do you actually find mm. who's doing what services in your community? And then that's going to tie in really nicely for all the allied healthcare professionals. You know, when it comes to psychologists in the area, you know, what are those specific niches they're working on? Is it pediatric depression is it binge eating disorder you know for dietitians are they doing patients with crohn disease because i as a family doctor it's tough to know who to refer things mm. to you know the patient's like okay you said go do some physiotherapy for my knee and then they ask the next question obviously is who's good for knee <laughs> rehab around here and you're like great question we can go and type it into google together and see what <laughs> pops up but it's, it's not very specific it lacks that granularity and so, again, by way of having that central network, now we can start adding more of these connections in there. And now that we'll have all the other disciplines of healthcare on there, creating more of that collaborative network approach, creating these connections between the different verticals and getting people more connected. So that's that's the part I'm really excited about coming up here. It really is interesting as you started walking me through that from the standpoint of family physicians sending out a referral. It's not like you necessarily have this big Rolodex of people to know exactly what who's doing what where. I went through an eye issue recently that we've talked about. So I've understood the healthcare system a little bit better because before this, I'd never really gone past my family physician for much of anything. But yeah, being referred to then an ophthalmologist and then from the ophthalmologist to a corneal specialist, I think there was probably a bit of, oh, I just kind of know who this person is from having crossed paths, but not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to be really systematic about figuring out what's next for you. Exactly. Right. Like the person you refer to, 
might not be the one who is the best at that specific thing or has the shortest wait time, but they might be your buddy from med school or it might just be the only person you know Mm -hmm. doing that in your section of town, right? So it's not necessarily in the best interest of the patient. It's just like there's, there's a lack of information. We're really flying blind on a lot of different things. And that's where I think we'll be able to add a lot of value. Very cool. No, I love that next step because at the end of the day, what I'm hearing is improved efficiency for physicians and improved healthcare for patients from streamlining some of this information. Exactly. Exactly. Very Making cool. things more accessible, more connected. Because right now it's fragmented. Healthcare is scattered across all over the board and there just aren't very many connections between practitioners and there's no digital platform actually pulling everything together. So that's the that's what we're working on. That's the big picture yeah. vision here. No, that's very, that's awesome. No, that's wild. I get the sense that it is an, a, it's a domain that moves slowly, especially when it comes to technology. That's the sense I get. Oh, exactly. Fax machines and pagers, <laughs> right? But then on the other hand, we'll have robots in some of the operating rooms doing yeah. surgery. So it's a bit of a bimodal yeah. thing. That's really funny. When you think about remote robotic surgery and like, oh, send me a fax. Yeah. Well, this has been epic. Let's Let's go into details. So how do people access Cherry Health? Like what, how do people get started? Where do they go? Like, what do they do? Let's get, let's get that out there. www.cherry.health. You've got a bit of a unorthodox domain there, but yeah. that does work. Uh, and then, yeah, we've got a mobile app you can download. You can sign in through the website. It's like other platforms you would have used, LinkedIn or Facebook or any other social media. You have your own personal account that you create. And then at that point, you can start interacting with things or you can go a step further and create a page for your business or your clinic. And then if you're looking to do recruiting, all the jobs get attached to your clinic and you can outreach, connect, message, chat with other clinics, chat with other doctors, follow and engage with the others in your medical community and just start growing your network. Very cool. So cherry.health, and I'll put that link wherever you're listening to this. So if you're driving or at the gym, listening to this podcast, when you finish it or when you pull over or whatever that looks like, hit pause and the link will be right there to click on it and to get started. Awesome. Well, this is very cool. I'm very excited about what you're up to and what what's coming next because I, I totally get that this is something that's been missing and it's going to make a big difference. So very cool. No, thanks for joining. We hear all the time, you know, somebody says, how does this not exist already? And yeah. Like, yeah. No, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. The more you talked about it, I'm like, wait, they don't already have that. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> awesome. No, thanks so much for joining. This was great. This is a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. Be sure to check out Cherry Health at cherry.health. Yes, that's the website. I double-checked it, cherry.health, or just click on wherever you listen to this episode. And again, if you want to learn more about whether a fee-based plan is a good fit for you, click on the link wherever you're listening to this episode, book a time, and we'll figure it out. All right, thanks for joining me and see you on the next one.